Last week, we celebrated School Choice Week with the first part of our conversation with Terry Seckinger, member of South Carolina's Commission on Higher Education Board. Well, we aren't done celebrating around here and want to share the rich conclusion to that conversation with you today. We want to help broaden your understanding of America's need for more school choice so future generations can soar with their strengths and lead our communities to thrive. Uh, and then of course, there's the homeschool space. Uh, a lot of families prefer to educate kids at home. Um, my experience is that homeschoolers either are exceptional or you know, if the parents don't do a good job and aren't diligent, then it's total failure. Um, you know, I agree. So I think, you know, that's where parents, you know, it's again, it's the responsibility side of things. Uh, but for those parents who are diligent and engaged and, and really put the effort into it, uh, the results can be phenomenal uh, in the development of their children. Thank uh, you. But that, that certainly is the goal. Uh, and if they're not able to do that, then responsibility would say, put them someplace that can. Well, there, I think there are other options too. Um, I, you know, to me, here I am in state ed policy, I would be so intimidated to, to homeschool. Mm -hmm. But there are great curriculums online yeah. that, that, are, that are very rigorous. Yeah. And so if your student is a, a self-motivated, self-driven individual, I mean, that would be fine. Parents know their children best. Yeah. And they know what's suited best for them. Another option would be, most states have a homeschooling law. You know, that would be, you know, your homeschooling. What about group schooling, where you might hire one or two teachers to teach various subject areas to maybe five or six or eight or 10 children? Um, mm -hmm. You know, those group schoolings are starting to crop up under the guise of homeschooling. Right. And, yeah. And so, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of, and then the charter schools, you know, charter schools have many different flavors. And, um, and they, and some charter schools are online. Yeah. So, you know, that's another option. So, um, yeah, that's, you brought out some important things. I think a lot of homeschool parents and families uh, have hooked into these uh, groups of homeschoolers uh, where they have specialists who are content specialists, curriculum specialists, uh, you know, subject matter specialists that actually work with their students. Also gives them social connections and so forth. Uh, and, and that's been a very healthy development, I think, in this homeschool uh, space. Uh, let me add, and you talked about, you know, some of the, you know, different crossover, but um, so there are some states that allow students, uh, regardless of where they are, uh, what system they're in, uh, the public school system allows students to come in for, say, a math or a science or a music or a sports or a whatever, but because those people are citizens in that state, um, they have the right to that public education, even if they are not enrolling that student in as a full-time student, that student still has the right to take coursework uh, wherever they need it. And uh, I know that there are some states that allow that, some states do not. What are your thoughts on that? You know, the public pays for public education. 
I think it's time that we kind of open our minds and our opportunities to meet the needs of parents and families. And I don't have a problem with that at all. If you have a child that excels in music and loves the cello, you know, most parents don't know how to play the cello and can instruct their child. Mm -hmm. They might not have a music teacher in the area that does except the one at the local high school. And so the schools were formulated to serve the people yeah. and to provide an education. Well, let's do that. One, one, um, another issue with athletes, I had family full of athletes and I was one myself, the, the high school leagues, the high mm -hmm. school leagues didn't want charter schools students to, to participate in football or basketball or whatever. Right. That's absurd. What, what are we here for? We're not here to guard and manage, you know, guard our shop. We're here to serve our children. And so it's time that we have fluidity between the opportunities that we have in education and let parents have their children soar with their strengths. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we will always come out better. Yeah. You know, when, when people are involved in music, they're, they're, it stimulates the brain in different ways. Yes, it does. And so athletics, the same, you know, uh, it, it, it really does enhance your ability to concentrate, to learn, to do, and to be successful. So let's let children soar with their strengths. If it means a charter school that focuses, we have rural charter schools that are STEM schools. They're, they're, they're elongated day STEM schools. We are, these are rural schools, really rural schools that are STEM schools. How great is that? Yeah. Just because you come from a rural area and you're, nobody in your family's ever been to college, you know, there are a lot of people I have to tell you that aren't going to send their children to college because they're concerned about what they're being taught in college. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, let's let children soar with their strengths and give them an opportunity to have an array of options that will allow them to do that. So at Noah Webster Educational Foundation, we focus on promoting core principles and best practices around the role of instruction, parents, government, faith and morality, and facilities. Do you have any specific thoughts you'd like to share on these points? Wow, that, that's, a, that's a big one. I think teachers need to understand, and we need to all be in agreement, that men are moral agents. They have the ability to learn. They have the ability to understand right and wrong and they need to be treated with dignity. And, and that sets the, the, the attitude uh, of the atmosphere of the, edu of, the, of the classroom. And we need to also, teachers need to understand that all students can learn. Everyone can learn, even students with disabilities can learn because God has made us with incredible brain power to be able to do that to whatever acumen he has given us. And so he uses education as an instrument to better each individual. So when you're in a classroom, you've got acumens that are an array of acumen. Mm -hmm. But each child has the opportunity to improve. So to treat that child as an individual is very important. And also to give them the tools as opposed to, we tend to, in education today, I think, dictate education. You know, we're reading a book and, okay, you've got that. Move on to the next page. That's not really, that's not education. That's information. We need to develop lifelong learners. We need to help children realize that they can learn on their own. 
teachers should consider the unique quality as we educate our children, the unique qualities that children have and, and applaud those qualities and try and develop those qualities. It doesn't take a lot, but it just takes a little bit of study on each individual in your class because they're all different and realize that they all know right from wrong. They all know when they're doing, being lazy. They all know when they're doing, hitting it on all four cylinders and doing the right thing. They all know when they're not interested in the topic. Let, let students really focus and soar with, with topics that they're interested in. Okay. So let me just uh, push back just for a second, if I may. Um, so I'm hearing you. And as I was listening to you, because you were talking about teachers ought to, um, I think the vast majority of teachers that are out there and teachers that are listening would agree with probably everything or most everything you said. Uh, that's their heart. That's their passion. Most of them, they're in this career because that's who they are and that's they're what they want. That's yeah. correct. That's a good teacher is called to teach. Yes. Yes. However, I think most of them would say that's what we want to do. However, our system through mandates and this and that have got us so locked down and in a box. Uh, so the people who are the policy people need to fix things in the system so that we can do our job. So what do you say to that? I, I would agree with them. I would agree with them. The system is so bogged down with driven policy that I, I don't see how anybody can perform their teaching job. We need to let teachers soar with their strengths just like we need to let students sort their strengths. But this is the problem, Melvin. When you have a one system fits everything, yeah. you're trying to policy down every single thing. And you can't do that. We need to, we need to diversify our system. And, and that's what charter schools do. And we need, we need more. We need more charter schools. We need math and science schools. We need computer schools. You know, I appreciate the teachers that are in the classrooms today. And from, from, from being on the State Board of Education, there is so much required of them, it is impossible. So why not have a charter system where you don't have all that requirement and the schools are performing better? So see, we, we need to lighten up on our on our um, on our teachers and let them soar with their strengths and diversify our system. As we kind of wrap it up, based on your experience and your commitment to improve education in this country, what would you say to parents, to educators, and to legislators? Since in some respects they are the primary stakeholders and influencers in what happens in education. Those are big and important issues. What I would say to parents is, it is your responsibility to educate your child. You know your child better than anyone else. Don't, don't just go along with the neighbors and stick your child into public schools if, if they have an acumen to do something else. Explore, be vested in the educational offerings that are available to you. 
and exercise that for your child. It will mean, it'll mean a different trajectory in life for them. So parents need to recapture as opposed to, you know, the next door neighbors have their child in the public school. Everybody, you know, everybody I know has a child in public school. My child will go to public school. Everybody's different. So parents need to need to be on the watch in terms of because the public schools of today, as you and I have discussed, are not the public schools we went to. True. So parents need to be very aware and they're responsible for their children's um, education. And you can go to charter schools, you can have online schools, the offerings are are greater than they were when we were in school and they should be greater still in the future. So that's what I would say uh, to assume that responsibility is the best thing you can do for your child because to instill a love of learning in your child will set them on a course that is unimaginable. Yep. And parents need to do that. Parents love their children. Don't let your school do that. Your teacher doesn't love your child like you do. And so that, that's what parents need to do. Be, be for their child and, and give them the best opportunity possible. For educators, I would say, I'm sorry for all the onus regulation that you have to deal with. I can't imagine how you do it on a daily basis. I really don't. But I think we in education have slipped from educating to indoctrinating. And, and we need to stop that like yesterday. Because indoctrination is, number one, it's not education. Number two, it's not a benefit. Number three, it does not instill a love of learning. And so it is what I would consider a failure. Mm -hmm. And so we, we don't need to do that. Um, I want to tell teachers out there, your jobs are secure because teachers are at a premium. So just lead your class, just lead your class. And uh, you will be fine because we cannot find teachers to fill classrooms. So we're, we're honored to have you in the classroom, soar with your strengths. Mm -hmm. Good input. Um, with administrators I, I, of the school, don't, Make sure that your textbooks are not indoctrinative, but instructive. Let's forget the indoctrination. Let's let people, let's give people the respect that they are due, that they are people who can think through things themselves. Our job is to, in, in K-12 education, is to basic, give them the basics of learning and a love of learning so that they can continue on whether it's college or trade school or, 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 or work. Um, mm -hmm. We need to reorganize what our mission is and how we're gonna accomplish that mission. And, 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 really, um, and really let the teacher soar with their strengths. And I just really, I have great respect for a teacher in front of the class who has a class of 25 children who are all different. I mean, you know, to impart knowledge to, to, to each one of them is very hard. So that's what I would do on the on the teacher side. On, on the legislative side, this is a big thing. I would break the monopoly of education. And I would do that by letting, this is a very simple one thing, letting educational dollars that you and I pay for in our respective states follow the child. Take your state and local money, because the feds bring money to take your state and local money and, and give that in a self uh, education savings account to the parent for enrollment 
wherever the parent deems the child should go. Public, private, disability school, you know, charter school, whatever they want to do, because they know their child best. This will, Melvin, bring parents quickly back into the education sector, yes, it which will. you definitely need. It would break our monopoly and it would enable children to soar with their strengths. Mm -hmm. And and tax and it, it would cost no extra additional money. So and also it would create competition in the public schools if a, if if a child, and I gotta tell you, some of these black families that we dealt with on the charter board, they would drive 50 miles a day to send their child to a better school. Mm -hmm. And so if we create this, this will create competition in the public schools. You know, you create a, an enrollment period where it's first come, first serve. When the school's full, it's full. Um, 38 states, like I say, have charter schools. There's a charter school option. It creates choice in public schools. And so those low performing schools, those low enrollment schools in the 38 states that have charter schools should become charter schools mm -hmm. because charter schools have a track record of good attendance, good results, low teacher turnover, and they're successful schools. They have to, they're schools of accountability. They have to make gains. Our public schools don't have to make gains. If lawmakers want to improve education, that's what we need to do. Let the money follow the child, because you know what? Parents know best about what their children, uh, where their children should go and what, and, and, and they understand what children want to learn. We'll have less, uh, uh, juvenile crime, we'll have more, more uh, learning going on in school, we'll have more retention in school, teachers will be happier in school. And, and that's why I said earlier, it would be wonderful if we could flip the traditional system and the charter system, make traditional schools charter schools, which is basically deregulating them, having a board per school, and let the charter schools be the traditional system that's more regulated for students that might need more regulation, which is not many. And so, you know, government complains about the lack of parental involvement. We, we, they boxed us out. It's yeah. important. It's a, it, we, we need a seismic shift. Mm -hmm. And the seismic shift should come where government breaks up their monopoly because it hasn't worked. And where parents re-engage with opportunities, multiple opportunities, so they can go where their child sees fit to go. Wow. And so, and, it, and that's, that is pretty easy, I think. Uh, no Webster Educational Foundation is an organization. We are working hard to bring solutions to our problems. Um, we are all about core principles in education and best practices in education. Um, we focus on the five areas that we've mentioned before, instruction, the role of instruction, the role of parents, the role of government, the role of faith and morality, and the role of facilities in education. Our website is nwef. Dot org, And on that website, you can find a lot of stuff there, particularly under if you go to the, the core principles section, there's a drop down and you can learn about each of those areas in a succinct way. There's a short video there that helps people really grab a hold of, you know, some of the, the core concepts that we believe are best practices and uh, things that we need to be working toward. Um, there's a blog that we have. Uh, you can get that blog right on the main website. 
and uh, connections of all kinds of content and information and news and discussions and interviews and things to help inform parents and educators and lawmakers. That's our goal. And I believe that all of us working together, listen, all of us want better for our children and for our country. Uh, we're patriots. And, you know, sometimes we have different perspectives. That's okay. Uh, we're not asking everybody to be in total agreement. That'll never happen. Uh, but what we do want is let's agree on ways that we can make things better and let's get it done for the good of all. So that's what we're about. And uh, we welcome people to connect with our, go to our website, check things out, and uh, let's work together to get this done. Terry. Thank you for your time today, for sharing out of your experience and your expertise, and uh, God bless you. Melvin, it's been a joy and a privilege, and I so appreciate the work of Noah Webster Foundation. You all are on the cutting edge of helping this system really fine tune itself, change, and, and really serve the, the, the people of our country today. And, and I just, I can't say enough about what the work that you are doing, and it's just a privilege and an honor to, to be with you today. So thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode of The State of Education with Melvin Adams, please subscribe and share our podcast with your friends. We're able to continue sharing these podcasts because of the generous support of our donors. If you'd like to learn more about the work we do at the Noah Webster Educational Foundation, visit our website at www.nwef.org.